2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
3: And it seems like maybe the eighth time is going to be the charm here. I don't know what this means for Ken Zampezi, who's on the staff. Does he stay and, and continue to coach under Biennemi, even though he interviewed for the same role? That's kind of awkward. They got a lot of things to sort out, and presumably that's what they're going to be doing in this interview with the enemy today. But for all of the talk about how long this took and the fact that it's February 16th and they still don't have a coordinator, Danny, if Washington ends up with a guy who's been running the Chiefs offense with Andy Reid for the last several years, people are going to be really excited.
2: They should be. Uh, This is a celebrity. This is a name. This, is again, is a guy that should have been a head coach. He should have already gone through the head coaching go to your first job at, on you know, being in charge of a bad team, It not working out because the organization's bad, and now he's on the free agent circuit as a head coach. He should have already been a head coach multiple times over. You should not be in this position, but you count your blessings and you take advantage of it. One
3: thing I, one thing I keep wondering is how different will the offense be for enemy here compared to in Kansas City? Because I think one of the mistakes we make, I'm guilty of this, I think a lot of us are, is assuming that what we've seen a coach do previously is all they do. And what truly good coaching is, is actually making the most out of whatever situation you have. Yep. When Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback in Kansas City, you should throw the ball a ton. If you come here and you have the ability to run the ball and manage the game with a what is essentially going to be a rookie quarterback in Sam Howell, you should probably uh, run the ball more often, yeah, which I protect think the enemy would do, clearly. But... This particular situation is more interesting to me because Reed calls the place. Reed is the mastermind of the offense. Reed does most of the scheming it's all in his image and he has long been a guy that preferred the pass to the run all the way back to Philadelphia the knocks on him for not committing to and sticking to the run date back to his earliest days as a head coach right what is the enemy if he gets to do it all his own I think we always just assume. That if you work under someone, you do it the exact same way. But you have your own ideas. Think about George McPhee and Brian McClellan. Totally. George McPhee was the general manager of the Capitals. When they fired him and hired Brian McClellan, everybody said, why would you do that? He's clearly going to be a disciple of McPhee. He's going to see everything the same way. And the first offseason, he went the exact opposite of how McPhee always did it. Gave out some huge contracts to defensemen. Niskanen and Orpik among them, and they end up winning a cup. And he's been excellent ever since. But we just assume the enemy is basically a, a mini a Andy Reid yeah. in how he views things. The offense could look very different here with different personnel.
2: Wade Phillips spoke about this um, in a recent interview. And he said, you know, sometimes you have superstar players. I have, I've had Aaron Donald. I, how stupid would I be if I forced Aaron Donald to do something that he's not the best at? Sometimes you have to just let your players play. If I have Pat Mahomes, he gets all the freedom, all the autonomy. I, I'm not going to govern him. I'm not going to say, hey, you know that magical thing that you do where you don't look and throw it sidearm on the run back across the field? Don't do that. I'm, I'm missing out on you know a highlight a week that way. Here, you might have to be more structured to protect the guy. You maximize what you have, and you cater your approach to maximize your talent, which is what's best for the organization.
3: Let's go to the hotline right now. BetQL guest hotline, bet smarter to beat the books. Jay Binkley is there. He is the post-game host in Kansas City from uh, Chiefs Radio in 610 out in KC. And he joins us to discuss Eric Bianome. Jay, thanks for some time in the district. How are you?
1: No problem, fellas. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well,
3: doing my well.
2: friend. We're Good. talking, yeah, we're talking about Eric Bianomi potentially coming here, which is I still kind of can't believe that sentence just came out of my mouth, but, but <laughs> here we are. What's the thought as to as to his relationship right now with, with Andy Reid and the organization? Is it one of those things where you kind of have to. You know, let him fly free so that he can, you know, maybe maximize his own career arc. What's sort of the feeling now?
1: I think so. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that's been here since day one of Andy Reid. It was 2013 when Andy Reid took over. Never forget the first day of training camp, you know, standing out there and watching BNM. He was the running back's coach at that point. And the way he was just coaching the guys up and the guys would do anything for him. At running back, you're like, man, this guy's gonna be a head coach somewhere. I could, I could see this guy being a head coach, and then you know things transgressed, and Doug Peterson, or man, he was was a coordinator, than Doug Peterson, then he eventually took over, in the rest is history. But there was talk last year if he's coming back with the Chiefs or not. Um, he's interviewed with half the league, um, just can't get his opportunity. Which you would think, you know, the the stamp of approval that anybody in the National Football League would want is Andy Reid. And Andy Reid has given him a stamp of approval. He's talked to other teams about him. He has gone out out of his way saying he should be a head coach in this league. And so is Patrick Mahomes. I can't think of two other guys uh, giving you a reference right now in the NFL than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but it's just not meant to be. And there was talk last year of you know him going on and trying to prove himself because everybody's going to look at Andy Reid, the one calling the plays. But I will say this. He memorizes – the game plan each week. He hopes the game plan being put in every week for the Chiefs. He's the guy that lets the Chiefs do what they do at the end of the game. Whenever they come with those trick plays and all that, it's Mahomes and Kelsey, and it was Tyree Kill doing that at the end of practice, and they check with the enemy. Is this legal? Can we do this? This formation. And so it's the enemy and Reed that would let him do it. Um, maybe this is his way to just prove uh, himself outside of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, maybe that's his only way. Uh, to a head coaching job in the National Football League. Maybe that's the way they see it. Sometimes your time is just the right time to leave an organization. Um, You hate to see it, though, because uh, you've seen other coordinators come and go uh, with this team but not him. So I'm on
3: a text chain with a couple of my good buddies who are longtime fans of the Washington Redskins and Commanders and football team and and all the names that they've had. And the text that I, I got like 20 minutes ago was, the me coming here makes no sense. It just makes no sense. And my response to them, I disagree, is I think he's got to leave there to get a head coaching job. They've got some weapons. Like, I can argue the other side of it. But do you personally think he should leave the situation he's in now with Reed and Mahomes and more Lombardis probably coming to come here? Is this the only path for him to get a head job at this point?
1: It looks like it. Yeah. Um... He, he, I thought the time was right three years ago. Didn't happen. Thought the time was right two years ago. Didn't happen. Thought the time was right last year. Didn't happen. Thought, okay, maybe it'll happen this year, and it's just not happening. So, for him to be a head coach, I think this is the only way uh, for him to do it. And listen, National Football League is an ego driven league. Guys like to prove themselves. And as long as Andy Reid's still in Kansas City, people know that he's the one that calls the plays. And eventually, he kind of turns it over. He was letting Matt Nagy call a few plays um back when he was here the first time. He let Doug Peterson do it a little bit. Limited fashion. And but Eric Bieny you know, mean, is, is a big part uh, of what this team is offensively. He knows it inside and out. He's like I said, he's been he played for Andy Reid. This guy's played in the Super Bowl as a running back. So he's got the players respect um as a former player. And for a guy that knows every inside and out of Andy Reid. I mean this guy knows the whole Chiefs organization, how they built it, the type of players they look for. Um, what kind of plays they run, you would think any team would have won him. And I'm shocked, shocked teams in the NFC West didn't want him because if you're trying to beat the Chiefs, which they all were, because they brought in Russell Wilson in Denver and they brought in Devontae Adams with the Raiders and Chandler Jones, and they brought in Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson with the Chargers, but the one guy that didn't bring in was Eric Bieniemy, the guy that knows Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes inside and out. He's been here every day since Patrick Mahomes has been here. I mean, this guy knows how the whole thing operates. He's, you know, he knows how the whole the whole system works. and No one wants to take a chance. He would be outstanding in Washington. 100% he'd be outstanding in Washington and get to prove himself. Because if he goes out and proves himself, it, it's, it's in sports, you know, where guys bet on themselves. And a lot of times it works. You know, with players, that they bet on themselves, they end up getting that, like a like, uh, judge last year. You know, he kind of bet on himself, didn't take that deal with the Yankees. And he goes out and has a monster year. Well, he'd bet on himself. Well, Eric, the enemy would be betting on himself because he stayed in Kansas City, the results are probably going to be similar to where they're at, but he's not going to get the cred if he goes to Washington and turns things around.
2: 610 Sports Radio. Jay. a lot needs to be done. Yeah, well, we, we have plenty of work to do out here. Jay Binkley with us here on Grant and Danny. So here's why I'm asking this, right? Like, There's, some, there's a lack of clarity, I think, in some ways, and people who don't know any better will just kind of go, yeah, but it's Andy Reid's thing. What does he do during the week? Like, week leading up to the game, Game day itself, what is Eric Bieniemy doing that is kind of unique responsibilities to him? Because people tend to discredit it because they think it's Andy Reid's show.
1: Well, they do, uh, but other guys have had success. I mean, Matt Nagy, even though he got ran in Chicago, became Coach of the Year in the NFL. Andy Reid's won NFL Coach of the Year one time, Matt Nagy's won it one time. And Andy Reid's fifth all time in wins and second all time in postseason wins. So go figure on that one. And Doug Peterson, the same way. It's what they learned in Kansas City, but those guys didn't have any more autonomy, really, than what Eric Bandamy has had with the Chiefs. But, you know, supposedly he memorizes the play sheet and what Andy Reid does. The guy's kind of got a photographic memory where he memorizes exactly what the Chiefs want to do. And um, from all indications, which we never know exactly what people do inside and out on a daily basis, but he puts a lot of the game plan together. He and Andy Reid, they sit down and they, they come up with the game plan on what to do. And he's been instrumental in that. And he knows what Andy Reid's thinking. He knows how to attack defenses. They did it against Philadelphia with the, um, you know, the, the two touchdowns they got with the going in motion, the split, and going back because they saw something in the Philadelphia Eagles defense. And Eric D'Anime was a huge part of seeing a, a weakness and tried to exploit it in the Super Bowl, and it worked out. Um, the guy's a creative guy. And if nothing else, I mean, think about all the things he just rubbed off on him. Being the Mahomes and Andy Reid every day—I mean, that just you can't, you can't, you can't put a put a put any amount of money on that.
3: Jay Binkley is with us, six ten radio out in Kansas City, post game for the Chiefs, uh, breaking down a lot of wins on that postgame show as they just won yet another Super Bowl, and he's hopping on Grant and Danny here on the Fan to talk Eric Enemy. How might his offense look different than Andy Reid's? One concern that I have is this is a run first staff led by Ron Rivera and he's as pass happy on early downs which I love by the way as anyone in the league over the last 5 years in Kansas City do you think he could be a a, a more balanced or a run first kind of oriented coordinator if he came here
1: Yeah I do and you know being a being a running back uh background that he was a uh, running back great running back in college a super bowl running back with the Chargers in the National Football League, and we're seeing a running offense that got better this year, better and better. He was a former running backs coach with the Chiefs. I, I don't think he has any problem with the running game. Matter of fact, it was a running game, not the passing game, that really um, was a star for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Eagles were the team throwing it, not running it. They were supposed to be running it, not throwing it, and it was the Chiefs running it, not throwing it as much in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think me and me would adapt with anything he has. He looks at the skill set of what the players have, and the Chiefs did a lot of learning, about uh, Patrick Mahomes, because it used to be, you grabbed the quarterback, you threw him in the system, and you expected them to know your system instead of learning what what made them good in college. And really, I think a really good example of this is when RG three first came to Washington, they looked a lot of what made him successful at Baylor, and they tried to run you know similar plays to that. Well, the Chiefs did that with Texas Tech. Um, matter of fact, teams have even played Texas Tech and scouted what the Chiefs do offensively because it's so similar. Um, to what they did in that RPO game. And Andy Reid's constantly watching college uh, football. He's trying to adapt, trying to see what they're doing, uh, and trying to keep up with the college game. And Eric B. is a huge part of that. So I I have no doubt in my mind that he would be excellent in the running game because you're talking about a guy that was a Colorado offensive coordinator, running back coach in Kansas City, and, you know, a former NFL running back. So, um, the ground game would probably be, uh, make the enemy happy. When you guys
3: talk out there about who's most responsible for the development of Patrick Mahomes, what names are on that list, and, and where does enemy come in?
1: Hey, Patrick Mahomes first. Um, uh, um, Kafka. My is going to be a head coach in the NFL probably within a year. He's out with the Giants now, a big part of it. Uh, Matt Nagy. Uh, Was a big part of Patrick Mahomes' developments. Why he's back here now uh, with the quarterbacks. But definitely Andy Reid. Andy Reid, first and foremost, for the development of Patrick Mahomes. That's why they selected him. Uh, There's been a lot of debate in Kansas City who selected him, the old GM that got fired the summer after they got Mahomes, or the new general manager they have now. And I'm always shaking my head. It was Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid made the final decision. On on who got that, and believe it or not, guys, it came from the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> who, who would have thought Buffalo would have traded the Chiefs to tenth pick and changed the course of the NFL and the, and the hopes and the dreams of this foot town with their football team? But it was the Bills' arrival, um, which is crazy to think about. But I would say I'd say Andy Reid first, then Eric Bienamy too.
2: We're talking adaptability, and Grant kind of brought this up already, but you know it can be a coaching challenge here if, if, you know, Eric B is having a conversation with Sam Allen going, well, that's how Pat Mahomes does it. Sam, how might be able to say, I'm not, uh, yeah. Pat, I'm not Pat Mahomes, that guy's pretty amazing. Maybe the best to ever do it. I'm me over here. You know what I mean? In terms of adapting his style and what he wants done and, and kind of working with what they have. How do you think will fare in that regard?
1: I think he'll fare well. world in, you know, Mahomes is just different and everybody kind of knows that he's just kind of different. He's kind of like an offensive coordinator himself. Um, you know, being coach, and the, I expect him to get the manning treatment and everything else going forward when he, he's not even thirty, twenty-seven 27 at this point. But eventually I think they turn a lot of it over to Patrick, especially in the final two minutes because he just knows the defense is so well and, and, and pretty much knows it even before the coach knows it at different times what defenses are doing to him. But the enemy has seen it all. And that's the one thing. If you've been in practice every single day with Patrick Mahomes and see how he works, see how he operates, and then you take a look at the other players, in Tyree Kill and his development from running back to wide receiver to the combo that he was, you know, Eric Bieniemy oversaw all that. And he understands the versatility. The Chiefs will draft guys that can play different positions. They want you to play different positions. they like speed, 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 but you have to be able to play. It's not like the Raiders that always went out and took the fastest guy in the draft. I mean, they would get close to that, but they won the football players as well. And Eric Bieniemy certainly skilled in that part of the game. I think he's got to be a tremendous hire. Um, he's got a football mind. He's a football guy through and through. Um, and just to be around Reed and be in his offensive coordinating and learning from him the way he's done in Patrick Mahomes, and I get it. It's tough if you have another guy and you're like, well, oh, Patrick doesn't do it this way. Well, he'll find a way to make it work because he, he looks at the skill set of what players can do and doesn't push them.
3: If the enemy leaves to come to Washington – and they elevate Nagy from that quarterback coaching role back to OC to replace enemy mm-hmm. Will there be any concern about the loss of enemy and, and kind of the ripple effects that send, or will it just be business as usual for the Chiefs?
1: I think it's business as usual. I mean, it's the way the first time that uh, Nagy left and Doug Peterson left. Uh, things kept going, and things are always going to go as long as Andy Reid's here and Patrick Mahomes and – we haven't seen a lot of coordinators come and go, except for Nagy and, uh, and Doug Peterson. Kaska wasn't exactly an offensive coordinator, but he was certainly you know, in the mold to do that in Kansas City. Um, but it, it's tough to say. Uh, I think the ship continues to go. As long as you have that guy, it's like the Philadelphia Eagles. They lose their offensive defensive coordinator, but I don't think the team's going to slip as long as Nick Sirianni is there. As head coach, but the Chiefs have been able to keep the special teams coach, keep spagnola keep these guys around year in and year out. And you know, we kept, we thought there'd be a thing was going to make the jump last year. that has a one year contract, comes back to the Kansas City Chiefs, and this might be his only way um to go out and really bet on himself, prove himself. But how long is he going to be there? Like if he goes there and turns Washington, to the, well, again, Washington's already you know in going the right direction. But if he for some reason goes there and all of a sudden they're top three in a bunch of different categories. Yeah, he's betting on himself, and it seems to be foolish not to hire him, but they've had their an opportunity and just won't do it, and I don't know why.
2: Jay, really appreciate the time and insight, buddy. Have a great weekend.
1: You guys do the same. Take care now.
2: Jay Bankley, post
3: game Kansas City Chiefs Radio, out uh, where they win Super Bowls routinely in KC. The last part that he just mentioned, though, there gives me some pause and worries me just a tad, which was that he said, yeah, if they lose Bienemy, you just – kind of put up your 50-plus passing touchdowns next year because it's still
2: Mahomes and Reed. You still have those guys.
3: And that is a way of saying, with or without the enemy, Reed and Mahomes are going to be Reed and Mahomes. Now, they lost Peterson. It didn't matter. They lost Nagy. It didn't matter. They lost Kafka. It didn't matter. Andy Reed is the guy. He's the dude doing the stuff. On the flip side, though, Peterson turned into being a really good coach. Yeah. Kafka is going to be a head coach next year. Nagy we all make jokes about, but was, as he pointed out, a coach of the year who won 12 games with the Bears at one point in time. So maybe it doesn't matter that the Chiefs wouldn't necessarily miss him. Maybe that's not a great way to judge his importance. It's a data point, though. It's a data point. But the, the guys that have left, who you'd make the case they don't miss, have mostly been success stories since leaving, which
2: is a good sign for
3: enemy. Yeah,
2: I, I'm, trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a good case where, you know, some, somebody dropped off the the face of the earth. Once somebody Arthur Smith, for example, leaving Tennessee, I think was devastating for them. All of a sudden, Ryan Tannehill couldn't, uh, you know, muster a forward pass, basically, right? Like,
3: but that uh, makes sense because their head coach is a defensive oriented guy, and they didn't have anyone else on the offensive side of the building.
2: That ran precisely, everything. so it shows like the intrinsic value of that one guy. So, had Kansas City, for the sake of argument, fallen off, not that they would, because Andy Reid's there at, to your point. But let's say once Doug Peterson is gone, they they their offense drops 15 spots, and you go, oh, my God, it really was that guy. Their offense is going to be great because, as you said, Mahomes and Reed are still in the building, and you could sort of fill the rest in. Not necessarily a knock on the enemy, but interesting to think about. All right, we told
3: you would give away Defenders tickets this segment, so let's do it right now. Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. You're winning a four-pack of tickets to the D.C. Defenders home opener on Sunday night at Audi Field, February 19th this weekend at Audi Field at 8 p.m., they take on the Seattle Sea Dragons. Be there all season long. Get your defenders. Season tickets right now today, starting at just 20 bucks per game. Buy now at xfl.com slash tickets or visit thefandc.com slash contest. If you don't win those tickets right now, we are giving away four more tickets in 40 minutes at 4 o'clock. you got to be listening to Grant and Danny. Next, Ryan explains it all. I think I've come up with a pretty good prompt today. And on our double play at 345, a very controversial decision was made by a restaurant we agree with it or disagree with it listening to the fan
2: call from mom answer it call silenced
0: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game
3: From Queen and Freddie Mercury to Clarissa Explains It All. Similar artists. Very comparable. Yep. We've got some business to tend to now, don't we? So I told you I thought I came up with a good one. I bounced it off Danny here during the break.
2: And what did I do? You think it's pretty good. I think it's brilliant. I went, I can't believe we didn't think of this one before.
3: So we'll start here. All right, all right. This is just the stepping into the baby pool. We're not quite swimming around yet at Adult Swim. Our friend Christian from Brennan's in New Orleans, he uh, runs one of the most famous restaurants in America. Oh, this is great. It was nominated as one of the best restaurants in the country this year. When I went to New Orleans, stayed the weekend, and went to the uh, LSU game in Baton Rouge, I went to Brennan's and had one of the great meals I've ever had. He sent us. He's the nicest guy in the world. Nicest man ever. He gets nothing out of a relationship with us.
2: We don't benefit him in any way.
3: It's just really nice. Yep. He sent us boxed king cakes today. What with Mardi Gras celebrations. Uh-huh, that's right. Looming, and he said, just wanted to remind you guys, we're having a good time in New Orleans. It's just about Mardi Gras time. Here's some king cake for my pals Grant and Danny.
2: Isn't it so friendly? Just so nice. And again, we've never been able to do anything for him at all. All we can do is say thank you <laughs> say and thanks. hope one day,
3: maybe, just maybe. We can make it up to him. I bring this up because I want to know, Ryan,
5: what is a king cake? Well, this said king cake is a round cake with a middle piece it's got a that middle. is cut off. Well, okay. Kind of like similar to a donut. You did see it earlier today, so you do I know do. the shape of it. That's I, true. I do know, I've I I've had this said cake last year. Oh, you when, when it was sent when to we, the show? When it was sent from Brennan's again. All it right, great. I loved it. Now, with that cake, there's a bunch of different colors going on. There's, like, yellow, gold, purple, green. And it's all glittery with some icing under that glitter. Now, does that answer your question of what it isn't? So, no, it doesn't.
3: Because a king cake, <laughs> there's a point to king cake. Like, if you were to say to me, hey, what's king cake? In my five-second answer, I would have said something very important about king cake that you didn't say. Well, it's for Mardi Gras, A right? Right. celebration mm-hmm. down in New Orleans. And if you're eating king cake, what are you trying to accomplish? Accomplish. Yeah. What what happens as you're cutting that cake open and everyone's trying to get their piece?
5: Well, there, there's some, I want to say it's like some rubber baby or something that's yeah. like in the oh. middle. there we I'll go. I
2: thought he was going to say uh, dessert. We're trying to accomplish
3: Start dessert. Start with that. Lead with that. Okay? <laughs> yeah, the baby. whole point of king cake is there's a baby in a baby. the cake that yes. you're trying to find. It's A the fake needle in A cake, baby. Stack. That's the hope. Right. So that brings us
5: to our grand finale. Mm-hmm. Ryan explains it all today. What's Mardi Gras? What is Mardi Gras? This is a great question, guys. You know, you guys are really good at this game. I, would th- I think so. So with Mardi Gras, yep. It's obviously it's celebrated down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in New Orleans mm-hmm. is in the state of Louisiana. Yep. When I think of Louisiana, I think of the Louisiana Purchase. Here we go. See? I, I told you he would get it. No, 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 no. We don't know if he's gonna get it. Yet. He's gonna get we it. Watch he this. Ha-
3: All he has is a lead. He has he's still gotta land the, the plane.
5: So I believe, similar to July 4th, mm-hmm. when America we celebrated its birth. We have fireworks, we have hot dogs, we have burgers. As they did then. As they did then, yep. sure. So for when the Louisiana purchase was bought by the United States of America, they celebrated with a king cake. There it is. And so, that king cake. This king. is not bad. <laughs> Dude, this I is told you he would is get it. Best yet. I told you he would get it. Did you, did you rope it dopus? No, I did not. How do you know
3: this? Well, it's just knowledge, simple it's knowledge. Just simple but, but, knowledge. But, okay. In the brain. How do you know it? Where did the knowledge come from? School. Yep. What's this? They taught you this at Falls Church? You talked about sure. king cakes? Yeah, we talked about King Cakes. Purchase. We love King Cakes. So, Mardi Gras is what then? Land it here. Finish it. Mardi Gras. Park
5: the car, buddy. Uh-huh. You're close. Right. <laughs> Mardi Gras celebrates the day that America bought Louisiana Bam. in that territory Bam! with the Louisiana what? purchase. Mardi Gras is that. I nailed it. I nailed it. I knew it. Thank and you, it's, guys.
2: So it's celebrated with the king cake. Yes. To commemorate the day. Yeah, I still don't yes.
3: get Can you say again why we do king cake? I get that Mardi Gras is a celebration based on the Louisiana Purchase. Fine.
5: Where does the king cake come into this? Well, I guess it's French because the French did own that Louisiana territory before that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I just assume that it it was just one of their favorite cultural items to eat. And so, therefore, they have king cake on Mardi Gras. Silly. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, Two more questions.
3: You can can get the music. You can let it play. Uh, On the Louisiana Purchase. Yep. No, Since you were so good, we'll ask mm-hmm. you a couple more. When did that happen? The Louisiana Purchase?
5: What year? Yeah. Or like what time area? Give me a year. <laughs> time? What's a time, time area? area? Okay, I don't yeah, know yeah. what a <laughs> time area is, by the way. It's an area of time. How it's about an that? area of
3: time, idiots. When did the Louisiana Purchase take place? <laughs> oh, man, this is bad. I'm bad with
0: years. Yep, so you're, really you're listening
3: bad. to our assistant producer, Ryan Clary, a 23-year-old, very proud product of Falls Church High School and uh-huh. V. George Washington University. Um, I'm going to put the evil on you, Danny, at George Washington. He's George, George Mason Potter. No, he's not. We're not claiming him right now. We're at George Washington, I believe. Uh, so, not, definitely not Mason, although we did yeah. pummel you in basketball last night. Yeah. Uh, when did it happen? When, when was the Louisiana Purchase? 1793. It's not terrible. He's only off by 10 years. Yeah.
2: So
5: they've been doing Mardi Gras for, what's that now, close to 300 years? That's about 229 years. For my calculations. Actually, no. Wrong calculations. Yeah, that's not your best calculating. 230 years. Um, and then the
3: last thing is, in return for what did we acquire Louisiana? What was the trade? Third round draft pick? Player we, to be named? What, what Steven Souza Jr. What Man. did we
5: give up to get Louisiana? I believe we gave up land. And what land was We that? gave up land Our to territory? get land? I believe so. What, what, I believe what, we
3: gave. Up, that, as a reminder, you're the what did we acquire in the Louisiana Purchase?
5: Louisiana and all that territory, Attaboy. and okay. all that, yeah, and all that, right? What did we give up? Hmm. This is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what did we give up? You bring up a great question. I, I'll go out on a limb. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. I'm going to say we gave up some of the tropical islands in the Caribbean. Because I know they have some French ties in there as well. So I'm going to say we did a land for land swap with France. Therefore, we got New Orleans. And ultimately, therefore, we got King Cake. And they got all those French islands in the Caribbean. They got the Caribbean and the palm trees. All right.
3: Ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Ryan explains it all. Let's go. I didn't know all that about Mardi Gras. There's a lot of things I learned in that segment. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought we traded $15 million. I had no idea it was all those islands
2: in France. Can you imagine four cents an acre, by the way, just as a quick side? I can't.
3: I absolutely can't. Like,
2: you couldn't get, like, a nuclear waste storage facility for four cents an acre.
3: And here I thought Mardi Gras had to do with Lint and the Linton season all this time. Mm-hmm. I had no idea.
2: I thought it was preceding Ash Wednesday. Could have been. You lo- Now you learn. Louisiana Purchase. Louisiana Purchase.
3: Let's go to Michael, who's in Vienna on Grant and Danny. Hey, Michael
5: is So wrong about Mardi Gras. What? It's a total. It's a Christian holiday. It's celebrating the end of Lent, or the 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 period before Lent, the fasting period of Lent. Well, the king uh, cake is the king. Ryan, okay, go ahead.
3: Well, no, Ryan just said that it's based on when the Louisiana Purchase was done. It's not even close. No, are you not sh- even close? What? Mardi
5: Gras is, is starts on the on Epiphany, which is the what January sixth, I think, the the Christian uh,
0: calendar birth of Christ. It Fat Tuesday is the day that the last day that you can eat meat and, and before the Lenten period starts. The king cake is the Lord and the baby is the baby Jesus. Has nothing to do with the Louisiana person.
2: I don't know. Ryan seemed pretty confident.
5: Ryan is wrong, man. I'm
2: sorry, bro. Ryan explains it all. Ryan explained it to us.
3: Michael actually did explain it all. And now Ryan knows what happened. The undefeated element of the segment is the angry person that is not quite understanding that we know me and Danny know we know that Ryan's wrong. We're just quizzing Ryan. And if he's wrong, we're pretending like he's right.
2: The best part is when we encourage Ryan and he gets confident. Yes. If you're listening, when we said he nailed it, Ryan puffed his chest. out. You couldn't see it. it he immediately
3: the, starts going, oh, I'm on something. That and he just grin. starts searching. He starts grabbing for things around him. He's like, oh, Louisiana Purchase, now what? Uh, 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 we, we, there's, 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 there's islands. There's islands in France. Uh, and he just starts yelling things.
4: That
2: smile on his face like he just ate the canary, it's worth the price of admission. It's our favorite part. So, yes, we know. A restaurant in New Jersey says no kids
3: under 10. This is not a bar. This is a family restaurant, longtime restaurant people have been taking their kids to, and they are changing the rules. We'll get to that next on our double play on Grant & Danny, 4 o'clock Beltway Blitz, and more tickets to the D.C. Defenders game. And at 425, Ron Rivera, Eric Biennemi meeting today. We'll have the
2: latest for you early next hour on G&D. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
2: But this New York
3: Post reporter we're going to talk to, coming up in an hour and 15 minutes, doesn't quite see it that way. Um, and he is actually pessimistic, it would appear, about the sale. So we'll talk to him coming up at 5 o'clock on Great Danny. But right now it's time for our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports.
1: Double play. The double, play. double play.
3: Danny, this New Jersey Italian restaurant has drawn a lot of ire from the community and the people that have been going there for a long time. A restaurant stirred up a storm on social, uh, social media with a Facebook post on February 9th, a week ago today now, informing its diners that children under 10 are no longer welcome to eat at the Italian restaurant. And this is going to start with the first of the month of March. So They gave you a little heads up a few yep. weeks out and said, hey, bring the kids one last time if you want to, essentially. Here's the statement they posted. We love kids. We really, truly do. But lately, it's been extremely challenging to accommodate children at Netty's, I guess that's the name of the Italian. Netty's House of Spaghetti. Nettie's Spaghetti.
2: Netty Spaghetti.
3: Between noise levels, lack of space for high chairs, cleaning up crazy messes, and the liability of kids running around the restaurant, we have decided that it's time to take control of the situation. This wasn't a decision that was made lightly, but some recent events have pushed us to implement this new policy as of March 8th The day we return from our winter break. So I guess they're on hiatus right now. We will no longer allow children under 10 to dine in the restaurant. As you can imagine, they have been getting crushed by a lot of people on social media. They've also gotten a lot of praise. This is a hot button thing. People are very passionate on both sides. This is not a bar again. This is a family restaurant that's been in the community for a while where kids will go after games. And where families go celebrate. Mm Mm-hmm where everyone's been welcome, and now, as of early March, when they come back from this respite, kids under 10 are no longer allowed. And I subsequently saw where they commented on a few uh, comments. Uh So, like, someone would respond and say, hey, we support you, or we hate you, or whatever. And they would respond to some of that. And one of the things I saw was basically that they have had many instances that would appear where a server or someone's coming out of the kitchen with dishes or plates or food, and kids are just kind of in the way or, bumping roaming, into yeah. them or running into them, which I would say makes no sense and should never happen. But I also go to restaurants and occasionally see this. Mm-hmm. There has never been more of like a wild, wild west mentality of having your kids out at restaurants where people just allow them to do whatever. I don't play this game with my kids. My daughter the other day at IHOP stood up for like literally 10 seconds and peered over the booth at an older couple that was, like, next to us. Oh, that's a move they do, yeah. And they peered over the booth, and the lady couldn't have been nicer, and she kind of made a face, and they made a back and forth. But a couple of times after that, because the lady was, like, engaging, my daughter would kind of do that, or it was actually my son who's younger, would look over or kind of tap the the top of the thing, and I'm like, hey, sit down, we're not doing that. And I ended up just paying for their breakfast, because I was uncomfortable. The the interaction, by the way, Uh couldn't have been longer than 10 seconds, wouldn't have been a thing, but that's kind of, like, my standard of, if we can't go and not ruin everyone's time, we can't go. I'm not making myself a hero, but that is not the standard that most people have at no, this
2: point. No, I, I, I had to issue an on-air apology to anybody that was at Silver on Gallows Road <laughs> not too long ago where I had to carry my youngest son out like a football. Like, stop inflicting your kids on everybody else. So Any what do you ar- make of this decision? It's perfect. Everyone should be doing this. Not everyone. everyone. No, let me rephrase if you'd like to do it, do it. We, we, it's it's perfectly fine to have a upfront policy. There are going to be places that are kid friendly. If you if you're so desperate to take your kids somewhere, take them there, right? This is someone again who's as a parent. Every argument against this really boils down to one thing to me: my convenience, right? That's what people want. They want any argument that you hear in in favor of it, or they shouldn't be doing this. It just means that you like it and you want to have you want to be able to take your kids there. Your kids are yours, and they're your responsibility. And everybody's got this deal that they have to live up to right what happens is we just get so, we're all so tired everybody works everyone's exhausted you don't have the energy to constantly discipline them at the table here's a phone here's this just be quiet so we can enjoy 10 minutes of some bleeping spaghetti and don't make a noise don't stab your sister and don't spill that drink you don't you don't want to pay for the babysitter you don't want to leave them with with grandma and grandpa you don't want to find something it's all about your convenience there is no right that you have that makes you more special than someone trying to enjoy a meal without the children there. Well, here's the problem, I think,
3: is there's also nothing the restaurant can really do when your kids are acting a fool. Now, you can't walk over and kick someone out because their kids are loud. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not going to go over, and I'll just use you as an example. If, if Bill Rowland or Byron Kerr is running around in circles, top of his lungs, screaming in the restaurant or something— They might come over and just say, like, hey, sir, we've got some complaints about your kid. But uh, Yeah, what are you going to do? I I would bet, whereas someone like you with, you know, you you and I have this thing that stinks that we were born with called shame. Mm -hmm. But not everyone does. And so I think if someone came up to you and said, hey, your your kid is being a fool. He almost ran into someone. You would say, hey, sorry about that. We'll figure it out. But I think a lot of people will fight fire with fire. Uh, uh,
2: I'm indignant. How dare you? Don't talk about my family.
3: Whatever. It's the one-star Yelp review. It's yeah. the screaming on social Precisely. media. And so there is no winning for these restaurants. When the family is there, if the kids are acting up, it's just up to the parents to do their job. And if they're not, the restaurant really has no recourse. So you know how you fix that? You just say, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and they made it a point on social media to kept, keep apologizing for the well-behaved kids.
2: Yeah, I'm sure, like my my nine-year-old, for example, 99% of the time would be A-OK here. Of course. Right? But th- that's the deal. They They've got their policy. They're upfront about it. I am all in favor of this across all sorts of genres. You know my feeling about being able to pay up for child-free flights? This is the first airline to do that gets my business forever, right? We're not saying we don't want kids to be able to travel. But if you're going an international flight overnight, it might be awesome to know that there's a two-year-old, you know, on your 6 that's going to rattle your chair and scream in your ear the entire time right through your noise-canceling headphones. It might be nice. I'd like to be able to pay a little bit more to never deal with that and be and be able to travel in this miserable experience on a floating tin can with arms and comfort. Same with going to dinner. My wife and I couldn't go out Tuesday night for, for Valentine's Day because everyone has a million things to do. We're going to do our thing on Friday. If I just It just happens to be when, you know, name that local couple has, like, a kid's dinner going on. It's going to be miserable for us. We've got a babysitter set up. Why do you get to inflict on me? Do I get to inflict on you? Do I get to uh, start uh, playing with my food, make a paper football, and kick it onto your table? Do I get to make noise and kick you underneath your thing? No, of course not. D- you see what I'm saying? Like, I love the idea that they're upfront about this so, so consumers can make an educated choice.
3: Yeah, and to me, that, that's the, the, the end game, right, is you don't have to go there. Right. If, you, if you're really angry about it and you, you can't take your kids, then I won't be there. Okay, that's fine. But guess what? There will be plenty of people, I would say, either without kids or who have kids and who are not personally offended and don't find it as an affront, who will make sure to go and and to make sure they try to make up for one of those decisions uh, that someone's going to make, possibly. But, yeah, it it goes without saying they can do whatever they want at at their uh, place of business Mm -hmm. in this regard in terms of requirements and and the age uh, that they think a kid needs to to be able to act correctly at the restaurant. I think what I would want to dive into, I don't know that our platform is the right one or if today is the right time to do it, but the perception is that kids behave worse now than they did 20 years ago. And that maybe 20 years ago, kids behaved worse than they did 20 years before that. And I would just be curious to talk to experts about that. First, is that true? Second, why is that? How did we get here? I mean, more recently, you know, they are... I think circling like post pandemic behavior as being way worse than before at these restaurants. Yeah. I get it. You know, we saw this with adults at sporting events, if you remember. Yes. When people went back, we had this rash of people who were throwing things or screaming and cursing at players or just doing ridiculously absurd things. It was like people forgot how to act, they forgot how to interact with other human beings in this interpersonal existence that we have. And if adults are struggling with this, if you hadn't been out to eat, you hadn't been to a restaurant. You're just eating while watching TV, walking around your kitchen, doing whatever you want to do, getting up from the table, sitting down at the table for a ten minute meal at your home. You just go to a restaurant. You kind of do the same thing. Like that could be part of this as well is that we got to relearn how to do that. Yeah, it's all society. part. Of it.
2: And again, I, I I go back to one factor that I think is indisputable: parents are exhausted. We you know it used to be like whether you like it or not just them's the facts one person could stay home and you'd have a lot more sort of hands-on to be able to deal with the kids kids were better behaved at that point now they're exhausted coming home from a full day of school and academia and activities and they're overexerted. both parents could barely keep their eyes open uh when it comes to it after a full day now you're supposed to be connected 24 7 via zoom and email and uh, your bluetooth and whatever else right there's no off time Everyone is just quitting. We're just so tired. So, we're going, yeah, do whatever you want. I don't feel like cooking. Let's go to the restaurant. It's their problem. That's, a, that's totally a thing. I understand that. We're, I'm doing it, too. I'm not going to inflict my kids on you, though. That's yeah. the difference.
3: I just remember being – I did it as a double play years ago, but with uh, one of our old producers, AJ. We went to a place near here, and we were eating. Yeah. And there was a kid that was, like, banging on the back of our booth the entire time. And then by the end of the meal, he was sitting at our booth legitimately, mm-hmm. like a five-year-old. And his parents thought it was like the funniest thing in the world. That's funny. Like, and what are we supposed to do? Right. You know? And they're like, oh, he's your new friend. Like, hey, buddy, your food's over here. And luckily, it was just me and him. We're two young dudes. Yeah, you guys are fine. Eating but... wings at, at a sports bar. But that is a thing that's out there. It's just people just don't understand how unacceptable, like, this ridiculousness is. Grant and Danny on the fan. Beltway Blitz is next. We're giving away a four-pack of tickets to the D.C. Defenders at the start of the Blitz. And then we'll get into the news on enemy and the Commanders at 425 on
4: GD. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.